welcome to another episode of the Saxo Market Call podcast. As always, my name is Soren Otto, and today I am joined by Peter Gunnery, our head of equity strategy. Hi, Peter. Hi, Soren. So, Peter, today we're going to talk about a little bit of, of what happened last week, and then we're going to look ahead to this week, what's going to come. All right. And um, I think last week it was probably safe to say that that was still... Even though two weeks ago we talked about that was the big earnings week because we had all the big companies, but last week was probably one of the weeks where we had uh, the most earnings come out. And obviously that's something you pay a lot of attention to, Peter. Uh, what was your overall takeaway of these earnings? Um, well, I think that you know the, the overall takeaway was that you know things are progressing pretty well. There is no hiccups, I think, overall in the in the outlook. I mean, it's. I mean, if you step back and look at how we how how we have progressed in the equity market since the earnings season started so it started around the 12th january and the msi world index is up 3.1 percent so i think the conclusion on from the market's point of view is that you know earnings have supported what we are seeing on the ground um if we take a sort of geographical split on it it's very clear that in europe we see more mixed earnings so um and that i think is not something that is uh, is a big shock because Europe is in this mild recession. We'll come back to whether that will continue or we're actually seeing green shoots. Um, so if you look at the earnings estimates, they have actually come, so the 12 months forward earnings estimates from analysts have come down a little bit in Europe, reflecting this mi- mixed outlook. In the US, they're ticking up slightly since the earnings season started. So the, you know, the Q4 earnings season has been, you know, you know, causing analysts to increase their earnings expectations over the next year. And then U.S. technology has gone up quite a bit. So I think that's sort of the overall uh, picture. And um, there's nothing in the past week that where I said, okay, this is a, this is a big worry, maybe except for, uh, for McDonald's, which I think is a, is a funny story because it's, um, there is a general fatigue uh, maybe among consumers on, on the restaurant side and inflation and have McDonald's hike prices too much. And then there's this, Potential brewing angle, which you know the CEO of Novo talked about, that he's being he's being he's he's getting these calls from food CEOs asking him, so is this Vigovi uh, treatment for uh, obesity is it real? Is it really that effective? And when will you have rolled it out globally? So I, I think you're sort of a sensing nervousness uh, among U.S. Uh, food companies, uh, like and and so that would be McDonald's and Coca-Cola, etc. And if we just ponder over that idea like the ramification of something like this uh, on a global scale can be massive but i think we'll leave that for for another episode because there's there's a lot for us to talk about related to that something else we saw last week was that uh, jerome powell the head the the chair of uh, the federal reserve uh, also talked uh, i think it was monday last week he had to speak uh how how has the market uh taken that because we we kind of discussed maybe that the March rate cut would be priced out, uh, but maybe it's reversed a little bit. What's been been the overall reaction? Well, the March cut is completely priced out now. I mean, if you calculate the probabilities, the market is pricing in 18% probability. The Fed typically likes to do things when the market is in agreement with them. So like an 18% probability means that we'll not get a rate hike in March. The data, uh, the data in the US is simply too strong. If we... If we look at the May, this is where it get re- gets really interesting. So the market was super convinced that we would get rate hikes just a month ago in March and also in May. If we look at the May contract that is pricing the probability for, for a rate cut, it's uh, close to 
right? So that means that the narrative has flipped once again. And if they, if the Fed is in a position where they want to cut a lot, uh, you know, cut the interest rates a lot, they, they will, a lot of it will be squeezed into very few Fed meetings uh, on the other side of the of the summer period. So the second half could be a very very busy, and it will collide with the U.S. election. So it's it almost feels like there is, um, I don't know, it, the the Fed. I don't think likes to be part of the political dynamic that is happening in the US. So if they don't that is now I'm trying to argue why they probably will go anyway, is that if the closer you get to the election, the more, you know, um the more the, the more bitterness and arguments and critique they can be exposed to. Um so it's actually going to be super interesting. So the the March the March meeting will go away. We won't get that and then we'll get more data points and then I think the May meeting will be super interesting. Will they go or will they not go? Because if they go, as the Fed has said, they'd like to go in cycles, in continuous cycles. So if they cut, then the train starts leaving the, the, the station then and, then, and, and, then we, then, and then they're going to cut and then they're going to cut and then they're going to cut. And obviously, as you say, I mean, I mean, it is uh, more or less at least the role of the Fed to stay out of politics and just focus on handling the interest rates and 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 the employment uh, figures in the U.S. But but really, if if we if we just take a look at this from an overall level, one of the things we discussed uh, in the beginning of the year was this idea of whether we get a recession or not, or whether we get a soft landing. Obviously, we can't conclude that yet for for the entire year. But 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 the the way that the earnings season and also the stuff that 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 the Fed is doing. And the market's reactions to it, I guess that is pointing towards uh, likability of a, a softer landing. I, the the big question is whether we do we do we even get a soft landing. Uh, I mean, as in we don't get a recession at all. Uh, well, yeah. Well, a soft landing would be the economy cooling down to levels where you flirt with a recession, but you don't go into a recession, and then you slowly pick up from there. The question is whether well, do we even go into a soft landing, or do we just you know stay at the current economic growth levels and then we pick up from there. So, I mean, we're not even talking about a plane a plane getting very close to the tarmac. We, we're talking about that it's it stays pretty elevated and then it just ascends again from there. I think there are signs that that's the case. Um, the JP Morgan's uh, Global Manufacturing PMI Index, where they, they, they take into account all the PMIs coming from the different manufacturing sectors across a lot of countries in the world, hit 50 in January. That's the highest level since August 2022. So instead of the, so we've talked about that we've been through this period for almost one and a half year where the manufacturing sector has been under pressure because there was such an overhang on you know physical goods consumed in the consumer economy. We got the inflation, people cut back, not in nominal spending, but when prices are hiked, then keeping your nominal spending uh, at the same level cuts the real purchasing volume of physical goods. So that pressured the manufacturing sector. That's also why China has all these troubles right now. Um, and now we're seeing all these green shoots. So the PMI figures in Sweden have turned around. We have Equinor, which is this big oil and gas major in out of Norway, saying that they're seeing uh, industrial buyers in Germany, the industrial companies in Germany, actually increasing their demand for natural gas. You have South Korean exports up 18% compared to a, a year ago. I think we are beginning to see potentially the green shoots in the manufacturing and industrial sector. And if and if that comes combined with the current wage uh, growth rates that we are seeing and inflation down here, I think actually have a pretty interesting cocktail for uh, for an economy that could actually accelerate from here. And then, then it becomes really interesting because um, 
we already have these animal spirits released in the U.S. equity market. So what would happen if the economy suddenly heats up again on top of the current level that, uh, you know, you know the current equity valuation levels that we're seeing and, you know, this boom in AI? Maybe we can talk more about that later on the podcast. But that's, that's uh, I think, is an interesting setup. Definitely, I think, uh, and I think we could talk a lot about that also. But let's stick to to what happened last week. Uh, other other key uh, key figures that came out was something like crude oil inventories, uh, German CPI. Is there anything that's worth mentioning about those before we head on to what's uh, what's happening the coming week? Well, it was not so much the crude oil inventories. It was is it was actually the the um, the drawdown on inventories of gasoline and diesel. That was, uh, you know, higher. The 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 draws on inventories were, were larger than expected, which is a positive. That's also why you have seen crude oil prices uh, accelerate. And I think that goes hand in hand with what we just talked about. That there are more signs that the economy is actually doing better than worse. Um, the German CPI, I think, just confirmed what we already are seeing. You know, inflation uh, inflation is coming down in Europe. It's uneven across different countries. It's not at levels where the ECB uh, wants to see inflation. And that means that the ECB will will take the same position as the Fed and be a little bit in a in a pause mode. I think a, a thing we didn't mention before we we move to the week ahead, uh, Son, is that when we talked about earnings, I sort of made a, a high level uh, a high level sort of a snapshot of what happened. Um, but if we're going to highlight some companies, just so the listeners have something to to chew on, so we talked about the expectations, and maybe we can talk about that in another podcast. Who really beat a lot against expectations. Um, but then, so there are the analyst expectations and then there's those expectations that are priced in by the market and that they don't need to always be completely aligned. So what an interesting exercise to do during an earnings season is to capture the price return movement over three days over the earnings release because it captures the move up, a, up until the earnings release and then the reaction to the earnings release. So if they guide particularly well uh, on the outlook from the company, you will see the impact immediately after the earnings release. <clears throat> so you don't only measure the things that they beat against you know, the previous quarter. If we look at those measures, you can say, okay, wh- which companies among the maker caps were the three winners, the, the, the three companies that the company liked the most? It was definitely Meta. And, and the story there is that, just so people are understanding this, uh, Meta has been the best performing global advertising company. The reason for that is that uh, Xi'an and Timu, which are two Chinese e-commerce companies, they are super aggressive in their internationalization. They are major buyers on the uh, on Meta, Meta's various platforms. Um, and then you have Netflix, which we already talked about in one of our previous podcasts, firing on all cylinders. And then you have Amazon that guided, um, guided much better than the market expected. Again, telling the story that we have been talking repeatedly about on this podcast, the consumer is actually doing better than what some of the scaremongers out there uh, want you to believe. And then if you look at the three losers, um, Tesla, by far the worst uh, performer, the biggest loser, and then you have Alphabet, which is, this is where it gets interesting, right? So you have Meta on one side winning, and you have Alphabet losing, and they are basically competing head to head. Google's uh, mother company, right? Yes, it's yeah, the parent yeah. company of Google, exactly. And then the third loser was actually McDonald's. And here we, we can, and I think definitely we should do a podcast on this whole uh, obesity drugs, also because Novo Nordisk is leading the race to come with a pill. So right now, you do it with an injection. When we get to the pill, then it gets super interesting. Uh, I don't think we can imagine what the, how the world would look like when we get to that point. So uh, we should definitely dedicate, I think, uh, an entire podcast. And I think we'll write some 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 research notes on this as well. 
Definitely. So looking ahead uh, in terms of earnings, let's just stay there for for at, uh, for now. Uh, it's it seems to me like it's cooling down a little bit. It's not like we're getting as many earnings reports as we as we have gotten. Uh, obviously, we're still in the earnings season, but but what what are you looking forward to in the in this week? Well, I've I've highlighted a, a few names here. Um, Tucson Group uh, on no, sorry on Tuesday it's, you have Coca Cola and Airbnb. On Wednesday you have Tucson Group in Germany. Um, very cyclical company. Hopefully they can paint a picture that we are that we are you know seeing these green shoots. We have Kraft Heinz in the U.S. as well on Wednesday. Um, Genmap here in Denmark, a bio, the biggest biotechnology company here in Europe. Uh, Equinex and Cisco, and then on Thursday we have Deer. If I was to highlight three names. It would be Airbnb on Tuesday. It would be Equinix on Wednesday, and then Thursday, dear. So first of all, Airbnb, why is that? Well, Airbnb, uh, I think, is a really good parameter on consumer demand for travel and leisure. Um, and then on Wednesday, Equinix. A lot of people might be wondering, what the hell is Equinix? Well, Equinix is the largest data center operator in the US. And right now, we have a massive boom in data center manufacturing, um, uh, sorry, um, data center build out um, in in uh, in various key states, especially around the west coast of the U.S. Um, and uh, Bloomberg had a series of articles this week. Um, it's just it's just a it's, it's a bonanza basically. Um, and Equinix is a is a very well run company uh, managing these data centers. And then Thursday, dear, super interesting company because of this. Um, these developments where they they putting these sensors into all their farming equipment, collecting all this data, and the user agreement, uh, license agreement is that you basically give all the data you use tracking with your your farming equipment, you give that to there, and then they sell analytics on top of that. I think, I mean, if you want to have exposure to the to the agriculture sector, I think the deer is a very interesting company. But if we have these uh, these obesity uh, drugs coming, what will it mean for future demand in the uh, agriculture sector. I think that that that's potential risk, of course. It'll at least mean that the data as they are producing is getting increasingly more important to be more efficient. Yeah. But I guess at least at least the story this year has been that when we haven't looked at earnings, we've looked at data to to sort of guide where the market and 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 the global economy is heading. We have some 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 data points coming out next week, and I guess that's probably where the markets are going to look. Then, for instance, in the US, we have. Uh, CPI, initial job claims, manufacturing index, and retail sales. What what are you paying attention to the most there? I think a lot of the, uh, <clears throat> I think a lot of what's still important is the C- CPI figures. So I think the US CPI figure is uh, is interesting, and I will be in particular looking at how, what what are the pricing pressures in the US services sector, um, especially when especially when you strip out energy services. So the core, the core inflation in the services because. My point all along and what what I think the Fed is looking at is that there is a pretty entrenched inflation dynamic in the services sector because of the very tight labor market. If the JP Morgan's manufacturing PMI index is correct and the trajectory is is for a you know a rebound, a new cycle emerging in the manufacturing sector, then it might be like quite difficult to continue to see goods inflation at these very low levels. So if you have an entrenched inflation rate in the services sector and you get a not a boom but a rebound a new cycle going in manufacturing pushing up prices on manufactured goods well then certainly you have a, a pretty nice cocktail there for a, for a central bank because that would mean that inflation rates will 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 sort of stabilize at the too high levels this year and that that could be the big story 
So really, just to decode this entrenched inflation, what what you mean is that that the labor market is so tight, there's so few people looking to to get jobs that that obviously the wages to hire those people will increase, right? Yeah, and 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 that infl and then the inflation rate simply just stays at the. I mean, it has actually accelerated in the U.S. services sector on the core level to from four and a half percent to a little bit more than five percent. So entrenched is just basically that there is no easing dynamic that takes it down to 3%. That's the long... So the, the 2% inflation you have had in the US long-term have been driven by two components. The services sector being more or less stable at 3% inflation rate, and then a good inflation rate at around 1% because of all the offshoring of manufacturing to China. So if the so you can say if the services suddenly is at 4.5%, 5%, and you have goods at 2 or 3%, suddenly we're talking about inflation at overall level at 3, 3.5% suddenly. In Europe, we have we also have CPI numbers from the UK, who's also reporting their GDP numbers. Is is any of that of, of interest to you right now? The story in Europe, as you say, is a little bit more mixed. Like it's it's both good and bad. But especially the UK has also been been challenged uh, in in many ways. Yeah. Well, I don't look too much at the UK. Sorry for all the UK listeners out there. It's a <laughs> it's a I it I don't think that. UK uh, matters right now for sentiment either in equities or in in the overall bond market. It's um, it sort of lives its own isolated life. Um, I know you can. I, I mean, on the script, you've you've asked a question about what about Japan? Um, and I don't think the GDP reports get a lot of uh, attention these days. So I don't think we should put too much uh, emphasis on that. But I'll just say that Japan is still this very interesting. This very interesting story. I mean, it's very, very clear that investors are navigating their capital out of China and into Japan, and there is some sort of a of a boom in some areas of the Japanese economy going on. Um, the company is also performing pretty well. Um, I think one of Warren Buffett's uh, key holdings there in Japan, uh, Mitsubishi, um, uh, one of the trading companies over there, they just lifted massively their earnings and 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 their dividends. So. I think it's just a positive story about Japan, but I don't think the GDP report will get any meaningful attention. So really, apart from, from earnings, what, what you're going to pay attention to is the US CPI, GDP, more or yeah, less. Exactly. And then, of course, we always look at the initial jobless claims because we like the weekly indicators. But I think it's, I think overall, I think next week will be a quiet week. I think the market will sort of slow down in its energy level, and then we can take a breathe. Uh, in and out, and then we'll, and then we'll. I think the market will pick up when we get on the other side of uh, of next week, and then um, it will be interesting to see how the market will begin to interpret all the new data points and and how that impacts the repricing of whether the Fed will will go with a cut or not in uh, in May. Just sort of a service note: this is going to go out Monday, so when we say next week, uh, we're actually recording this on Friday, so that is actually the current week. Yeah. And another service notice that when you say that's going to be a quiet week, we definitely know that won't be the case. But uh, but Peter, I think we'll leave it for 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 that for now. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be with me in the studio, and I look forward to us speaking about something very soon again. And to all you listeners out there, thank you so much for listening. Happy trading and take care. <laughs>